Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. Matt, what album are we going to review this time? We felt it was good to follow up a massive debut album with another massive debut album. So this week we're going to talk about Hootie and the Bluefish, Cracked Rearview. Does this album for you fall under the automatic classic mm-hmm. and we're viewing it with pride or is this a does it hold up? I could see where a lot of people would initially think, okay, this has got to be one of those does this hold up situations. And it's 25 years old now. Mm-hmm. I think it still not only holds up, but it's one that I'll still listen to from time to time. And I'm not ashamed to admit that. No, with pride. I fully expected to shamefully recall this and mm-hmm. rail on it like I did with Dave Matthews yep. Band. We'll, yeah. we'll have to see. I was a little bit pleasantly surprised at what I heard. We'll get into a little bit more about, you know, at least for me, like the impact and the importance of this album and Hootie and the Bluefish at this time when they really got out on the international stage as being this massive band. But it, it's a fun listen, you know, all these years later. This album was inescapable. In 1994, Mm -hmm. 95, 96, they had a pretty long run, as we'll see, with both the release of singles and the way that it was coming out of every dorm room, Mm -hmm. because you and I were in college at this time. Yep. Well, as always, we like to begin with discussing our memory of an album or a band. So, Matt, for you, what is your memory of Hootie and his blowfish? (laughs) Well, Darius Rucker will be the first to correct you. He is not Hootie. Hootie is just a made-up person or thing. Or no, something. it's his friend. It's his friend. They had two friends. And oh, that's one, right. One was looked like an owl, so they called him Hootie, and mm-hmm. one had big cheeks, so they called him Blowfish. In their mockery, they went ahead and named their band. <laughs> right. Which, again, it's not a great name. No, it's a terrible name. You know, I mean, as far as band names go, it's right up there with what you would name like your high school band. Like Technical Difficulties. Or Funkadelic Monks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or Still Life. Still Life's not bad. <laughs> Uh, listeners, if you were just a big Hootie fan and, and you chose this to be the first episode you listened to. First of all, thank you for listening. Yes. And also, those were actual band names from <laughs> Matt's high school bands. And uh, also, we left out, what is it? Troubleshooter. Shooter. Troubleshooter. You keep saying straight, straight shooter. Straight shooter. I don't know. <laughs> Troubleshooter. <laughs> Troubleshooter. Troubleshooter is much edgier than straight shooter. I yeah, think. those are bad boys right there. Oh, yeah. We were rocking the mullets at yep. that point. But you know, so my first memory around 1993 or so, freshman in college in North Carolina, you couldn't get away from bands like Hootie and the Blowfish being from South Carolina coming mm-hmm. through a lot. And so mm-hmm. I remember hearing a lot about them. And I think before I'd even heard a song from them, I bought Coochie Pop, which is Hootie's EP. A couple of the songs that wound up on Cracked Review are their early versions on this EP. Mm-hmm. And it was a very sort of independent DIY release, maybe five songs. I think they probably, you know, were selling it out the back of their van and that sort of thing. But then fall of 1994, one of the fraternities here in town would have a huge concert every year, mm-hmm. Delta Sigma Phi Lawn Party. 1994, Hootie was the headlining band. Whoa. Um, that seems like they probably booked that. Before Cracked Review came out. Yeah, I mean, because it was always a good crowd at Mm -hmm. this fall concert. But 
this one seemed particularly energetic. Well, Hold My Hand had already come out. They already had a huge hit on their yeah. hands. What I remember about that was sort of feeling like, okay, we're, we're getting ready to witness this band from our backyard, essentially, mm-hmm. become really, really big. So, yeah, I mean, so it was fun to be on the doorstep to see that happening. And they had been around a lot before. Uh, there used to be a concert series called Wolfstock here in Raleigh. And mm-hmm. I think in 92... Hootie played that as well. They were the headliners for that. Even though, again, they were from Columbia, South Carolina, it was kind of like you know one of our bands mm-hmm. making it big. How about you? What's your memory of, of Hootie and Cracked Riverview? So a few years back, I was a carpenter. I worked in this kind of rural area, picked up whatever jobs I could, and there was a yacht that needed to be repaired. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and this woman who was on the yacht she and her husband were on there. And she hired me to remodel her closet. <laughs> so I did. But man, this lady, uh, she was so difficult to work for. She was condescending mm-hmm. towards me. Definitely just didn't treat me like a human or really any of the people that worked on the yacht. But I needed the money. I had four boys and my wife had died. So we we're just trying to make it. Took any job I could. So I just kind of had to deal with it. I did a good job. I do good work. But then she got upset because I used oak instead of cedar. Mm. And she didn't tell me that she wanted cedar, but she wouldn't pay me. And I said, I'll redo it, but you got to pay me for what I've done so far. And she wasn't going to pay me anything. Mm. We got in this huge fight and it ended with her pushing me off the yacht and she threw all my tools in the ocean. Oh man, She's an evil woman. I lose my tools. I go home. Next thing I know, she had fallen off her boat and gotten amnesia. And so she's at the hospital. She doesn't remember anything. And her husband comes back to the hospital and sees that she has amnesia and leaves her. So this guy is as bad as she is. Then I came up with this great idea. And so I decide to kidnap her. Sure. And bring her back to my house, Mm -hmm. make up a false story about her being my wife, and these are her kids. I mean, that's a a pretty common sense. And and put her to work. So enslave her. Yeah, sure. I decided to enslave her. So over time... She starts to soften up. She likes the boys, and she starts to grow on me, and we, we start to build a life together, a false life, but, but <laughs> nevertheless, we're enjoying it. I think she was enjoying it, too, yeah. so was I wrong? I don't know. Her husband comes back to get her, and as soon as she sees her husband, she remembers who she is. Oh. She's really upset because she, she realizes that I had lied and mm-hmm. that I had enslaved her for months, and so she leaves. Mm. What if I just stopped there and was like, and, uh, and, and, then, uh, and then I, then I went to a hoodie concert. <laughs> <laughs> when she gets back to this rich, pampered life, she realizes that the life of enslavement was the life for her. And that was where true love had been found. <laughs> and so she, she decides to return. And we find out all the money is not her husband's, but it's hers. And so... Oh. Not only do I get my slave wife back, but I also get all her money too. Anyway, so we got married for real. And because we were rich and could do whatever we want, we hired Hootie and the Blowfish to be our wedding band. Man. And that was how I first heard of them. Wow. I don't want to be curt, but I mean, (laughs) I don't blame you for trying to rustle up a life like that. Man. That movie's insane. Yeah. It's a really good movie. It is a good movie. But oh my gosh, that's terrible. It's sort of like what we were talking about with Over the Top. These plots in the 1980s are just insane. Yeah. Highly illegal, immoral, wrong in every which way. 
80s was just a big gray area of a decade. (laughs) (laughs) Of moral ineptitude. Yeah. (laughs) But for real, I don't know when I would have first heard. They just all of a sudden are there. It was like osmosis with Hootie. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and I think part of the, you know, the question about does Hootie hold up? I mean, is it still a relevant album? Mm -hmm. Do they still matter? I mean, part of that is because of that. I mean, I think we, we all got a little bit of Hootie fatigue over that three year run. We got fatigue from it because it became one of the best selling albums of all time. You know, this is still when radio is a big deal. Mm-hmm. This is going to be on every radio station. I mean, it was on mainstream top 40 radio. Yeah. Probably, especially early on before it got too big, would probably cross over still a little bit on like the independent alternative stuff just because it was a newer band. Mm-hmm. They employed the power of music videos, which were still on their way out, on the but... way out, but was still a pretty significant medium mm-hmm. for that time again like we we mentioned earlier to work in espn and sports and all this stuff and and even if you tried you could not get away from hootie and the blowfish no that's right well let's hear first track that kicks off cracked review is hannah jane you hate it right i understand getting sick of it Mm -hmm. but it's so vanilla it's very pleasant it's inoffensive right it's fun and i remember loving it but Mm -hmm. coming back to it i don't know how i would have really strong opinions about it like with dave matthews i went back oh my gosh boy tinsley's so annoying right or these lyrics are so dumb Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like look at these guys yeah look at this college band that made it Right. Well, I mean, to me, that's a really underrated song in their catalog. And immediately after it is hit after hit after hit. Yeah. They toured this past summer, 25th anniversary or whatever it was. And that's the song they opened their concert with. So I think it's a song that fans really associate with them. But it's also not one that was a single. It's not one that you got tired of. Yeah. That might be another reason why, to me, it still resonates really well. Now, you know they're a southern band because the name of the first song is a girl's name that's a double name. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Hannah Jane. There is, were probably like 18 girls at every concert like, ah, that's me. <laughs> that's <laughs> they're right. singing about me. <laughs> Who is Hannah Jane? Let's see what he says here. We get drunk and go out after dark searching for someone we could take home. Is he a serial killer? Is he Bill Cosby? <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, okay, there's some comments here. Okay. Hannah Jane's is the name of a pub mm. in Columbia. Oh, there you go. Now, is it the name of a pub because the song came out or was right. it there before? That's a good question. Let me see. This one site says, mention Hannah Jane's to any regular and you'll get a rundown of the fantastic menu. Apparently, they had a famous breads and spreads 
What is breads and spreads? <laughs> I mean, we live in the South, but I don't know what breads and spreads is. I don't trust it. I honestly don't want to know more about Hannah Jane's after that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe we should move on. With a little love and some tenderness, we'll walk upon the water, we'll rise above the mist with a little peace and some harmony. We'll take the world together, we'll take them by the hand. That's about as vanilla and innocent and unaggressive of a pop song as you can have. It's although, although Darius Rucker has said it's a protest song. Really? Yeah, apparently he's rebuking racism in this one, which is interesting because, you know, on the track Drowning, mm-hmm. which we'll review, that's very clearly yeah. speaking out against the racism in the South in particular especially in South Carolina, right. you know? But yeah, it's funny to think that this is a number one hit and most people are just thinking about like, oh yeah, hold my hand. Yeah, it's you a know? good chorus, a little sing-along, wave your hands in the air and yeah. enjoy the show. Darius Rucker has an incredible voice. Yeah. He can write a melody mm-hmm. and write some hooks. But, you know, you hear the song and you think, how did this get to be so big? Mm-hmm. It's fine, it's good, but you're not blown away by this. It's just incredibly catchy. Also, you kind of think, What's going on at the time in music? Mm -hmm. The guy who signed them was this guy named Tim Summer, and he was with Atlantic. Somebody had put Coochie Pop on Mm -hmm. his desk, this regional act, Mm -hmm. but it was put on his desk because it had been selling well in the South. He said that at the time, the only thing that people were interested in was grunge. Right. No one was at all interested in any sort of acoustic... Roots pop rock (laughs) kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But he had spent time in a band. He had spent time... In the South, in the 80s, and so he went down to Charleston. Did he order the breads and spreads? <laughs> yeah. I think he went for the breads and spreads. <laughs> sure. You yeah. know, at, at Hannah Jane's. <laughs> <laughs> he said that he knew right away. You know, not that they were going to sell all those records, but he's, this is a quote. He says, but I did know I was going to sign them. A band gets on stage and sings a freaking song like Let Her Cry and they're not signed? Let's get real. <laughs> and so he went backstage to them and just he just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign you right away. The thing was is that he said that nobody was interested. No other A&R person was interested in them. They finished the record. So he's got Cracked Rear View, one of the best-selling albums oh boy. of all time. Yes. And he takes it to the head of... Of A and R, so he takes it to this. I like where this is going. <laughs> he takes it to this record executive, and he played the entire album, and the guy immediately <laughs> pronounced the record, and I quote, "unreleasable." 
and said it had no singles. <laughs> so, Who are these people? How do these record executives get to this place and in how, life? How do I get this job? Right. Because all you need to do is you need to make a negative <laughs> statement. You need to draw a line in I mean, the sand. Just abrupt. Yeah. Just like the guy who heard NXS was like, I'll give you a million dollars if you will not release this There's album. There's not a good song on this album no. at all. He said about Cracked Review, there are no singles on this album. <laughs> An album that produced five singles for number one. 30 million copies. Then I can only imagine that. He then took the CD... Broke it in half. Used it to cut up his cocaine. <laughs> yeah. And then just like dove out the window, landed on the news chopper, <laughs> threw the pilot out, flew off to the Caribbean with the news anchor. And then came back to work the next week. And still had a job somehow. Yeah. Like, how, like that's ridiculous. Not a lot of belief in Hootie and the Blowfish. Except for Tim Summer. Tim, way Tim. to go. Then you hear these songs, and particularly the, the, the hits from this album. Yeah. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. But they are clearly sound like hits now. Great hooks, great mm-hmm. melodies. And Let Her Cry, he heard that and he just thought, yeah, there's something here. Yeah. So then the next thing they did was they went and got Don Gaiman, yep. producer extraordinaire. And I think one of the reasons they got him is because he had produced R.E.M.'s Life's Rich Pageant. pageant. Mm-hmm. Hootie and the Blowfish are known to be R.E.M. fanatics. I even heard at one point they essentially started out as an R.E.M. cover band. Yeah. So they're huge R.E.M. fans and you know, if you're introducing someone to R.E.M. at this time, one of the albums you'll probably start with is Life's Rich Pageant. Yeah. That's a seminal album in that catalog. To have the guy who produced that, such an ego boost for Hootie and the Bluefish. Don Gaiman also produced John Cougar Mellencamp, Jack and Diane. As a producer, that song is pop gold. Yeah. Not just the song itself, but the production on that song is iconic. The hand claps in the background and the staccato notes of the... That's as memorable and iconic with that song as anything else, which is a testament to the the production. And very clean production. Mm -hmm. All that John Cougar Mellencamp stuff. Last Epipod, we talked about how grunge eventually took down hair metal and Hootie and the Blowfish took down grunge yeah that's right this is the thing this is the way music went on the radio because also you think about Hootie and the Blowfish they paved the way for these other ballady artists like Edwin McCain mm-hmm. another college circuit another South Carolina guy too. that's right Matchbox 20 mm-hmm. so it's their fault <laughs> exactly maybe that's also a reason that Hootie you know we feel so annoyed by it because it's, it's so 90s acoustic mm-hmm. You know, you had all these bands that came out that had with the front man with an acoustic guitar. And yeah. it was accessible for one thing. Yeah. It was relatable. You know, you could kind of see yourself doing that. If you played a guitar at all, you're like, oh, well, these guys can do it. We can do that. And so th- I think that was part of it too. And then next thing you know, you've got Goo Goo Dolls and Third Eye Blind and radio was saturated with acoustic yeah. guitar bands. And, and that is like the sound of the 90s. Yeah. In a lot of ways. But before Hooting the Blowfish, it wasn't. Right. They really were kind of the, the band that ushered into that. So at the time when the A&R men were looking for the next grunge mm-hmm. and someone like Hootie couldn't get signed, two years later, all the A&R guys are on these college circuits looking for the next acoustic you know, rock band or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
this next one is the one that got the band signed and also got on a lot of mixtapes. And just let her cry. I mean, you talk about hootie fatigue setting in. This song is over five minutes long. Gosh. It's a long... Long, you, long, long song. <laughs> <laughs> and again, you couldn't get away from this song. The converse of that is it's also incredibly catchy. Did you know that David Crosby sang background oh, vocals right. on Hold My Hand? I didn't know that. I forgot about what that. What was he doing? Was he just hanging out in the studio? Was he lost? <laughs> He wandered in. He's like, Stephen Stills? Nope. He's not here. I have a, while you're here. Yeah. We have this incredibly easy chorus of three words. It basically goes one note higher each word. Yeah. Can you sing that, please? David Crosby. We don't want you. We just want your mustache on this one. Gosh, that's an iconic mustache. That is. Is that the most iconic mustache in rock? Um, or Frank Zappa? Maybe Frank Zappa had a yeah. dirty mustache. Oh, uh, Jim Croce. That's a pretty iconic one. Bill Hader's guy in uh, the Blue Jean Committee. He had oh, an awesome yeah. mustache. Golly. Well, the Beatles went through that phase where yeah. they had a mustache. Those were some good ones. Not a lot of rockers do the mustache. Not just a mustache. No. Nope. Did Hitler ever write any music? <laughs> I mean, it's an iconic mustache. Uh, yeah. Not for good reasons, but yeah. it's recognizable. Yeah. I remember my grandfather had a short little mustache, Oof. and I was like, he looks like Hitler. My mom was like, that's not funny. Don't ever say that. <laughs> if it's so offensive, why does he have the mustache? Yeah, right. <laughs> you think Hitler had that mustache because that's all he could grow? <laughs> it didn't grow past his nose on either side? <laughs> what if Hitler had had a Lincoln beard, <laughs> and it became the, <laughs> the Hitler beard? Oh, but people were really upset about it. Like Lincoln doesn't get on any like currency, no, or anything. No, his whole but, reputation. Ooh, we can't do that. Yeah, his whole reputation. There's no Lincoln Memorial. Oh, they're man. not doing that. Somehow this all relates back to Hootie and the Blowfish, Hitler and the Blowfish. <laughs> Let her cry. Mm-hmm. So you've got you know Hannah Jane, which is fun, poppy. We're going out and drinking and meeting girls, kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. Hold my hand, which surface level sounds like a pretty ballad pop song love song but is protest song and then you get to let her cry and it's really about dealing with an alcoholic partner mm-hmm. i think i think that's the gist of it so i think you're right deeper subject matter but this one resonated it hit it hit big it, you know the ballad was hijacked by the hair metal bands yeah. in the 80s mm-hmm. everybody was putting those out and those were huge mm-hmm. There seemed to be kind of a lull because of grunge. Yeah, and then the only place you would get a ballad, even if you could call it that, was you know the hip hop groups would do that's like true. love songs, early '90s hip hop. So yeah, Boys to Men, Jodeci, yep. Boys to Men, Ralph Tresvant. Yep. But then it seems like it came back into rock in a very soft, accessible way. Because again, this is what paved the way for Edwin McCain and Goo Goo Dolls, Goo Goo Dolls mm-hmm. which is funny because Goo Goo Dolls had been like a harder rocking mm-hmm. band. And then they had these two acoustic songs, which their true fans are that I've talked to from like upstate New York are really not happy about. Right. Because <laughs> even though Goo Goo Dolls got big, they got big on something that 
wasn't really true to wouldn't them yeah i mean it's still a good song and again his voice man his voice is undeniable mm-hmm. all right so the next song on the album is probably in a lot of ways the one that people really got tired of and made hootie somewhat of a joke i think only want to be with you This is the third single. So by this point, everyone you know, knows Hold My Hand, Frontwards, Backwards. Yep. Let Her Cry. And then you come up with this, which is bubblegum pop at its bubblegummiest, if that's a word. Yeah. And they did this Sports Center themed video, which you couldn't get away from as well. And at this point, they're really on top of the world. But I think this is the one that people really got tired of. Especially Bob Dylan. Well, he was cool with it at first. Oh, really? You know, because the, the, there's multiple Bob Dylan references. I mean, he takes actual lyrics from Idiot Wind. Yeah. But it's clear that they're saying... They're paying it's, homage. It's a huge tribute. He even says, ain't Bobby so cool? Yeah, right. <laughs> and so apparently, you know, Dylan's people were good with it. And then the song... And the album becomes a huge hit. And it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, on second thought, we'd like to love a little bit of those royalties. Yeah, a little co-writing. Um, you know, the other thing about that, the lines about Dylan, is there's also a nod to Dylan Fence, the Chapel Hill band, Dylan Fence. Uh-huh. They sing, you know, uh, what is it? Put uh, on a little Put Dylan, on a little Dylan sitting, sitting on, on a fence. fence. Yeah. For me, like at that point, wasn't you know, I'm a huge Dylan Fence fan. Oh, this is awesome. I mean, here, again, these guys are top 10 album, 20 million copies. And they're name dropping lesser known band, probably people that Chapel they had played with, yeah, along the college circuit, right? Yeah, and, and and to and to mention that it's almost like it's a forgivable song because it's so catchy, mm-hmm. but you know it's it's pretty cheesy. He's relating a conversation he had about Dylan. And he talks about the Miami Dolphins, yeah, making know, him cry, making him cry. You yeah. know, it's kind of silly. And this was one that had been on Coochie Pop as well, gotcha. and I think they had been doing this one for for quite a while. It's almost like stringing together phrases that meant a lot but meant nothing to them and then putting them together in a song. Was that really the order of their singles? Was the second track on the album, the third track on the album, the fourth track on the album? That's how they released their singles. Hold my hand, let her cry, only want to be with you. Yeah. Oh, wow. Someone knew what they were doing. I mean, not that you can't release them out of order, obviously, but it seemed very deliberate. They were front-loading this album for sure. Yeah, right. the back of it is pretty catchy, but it falls... Falls off a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what comes next in the sequence? Drowning or time? Drowning. This is where he curses, right? Yep. Better get my... Uh, Your bleep machine ready. My bleep machine. It's been sitting in the closet since Run the Jewels. Yep. So let me get that out.
Is P.E. referring to Public Enemy? Where? P.E. is coming. All I got to say, want to turn and run away. They're just telling you how they see it, right or wrong. They don't care. You wish that they would quit. I never caught that before. And it kind of makes sense. I mean, 1995, this is clearly a song about racism. It's a song about racism in the South, in particular South Carolina, where the Confederate battle flag was still up. Um, (laughs) Even until, what, two years ago? Right. You almost get the sense that he's in that particular verse speaking to someone who is on the side of oh there's nothing wrong with this flag it's just mm-hmm. it's it's part of history and he's kind of like yeah but you know, listen to what folks like chuck d are saying yeah and get used to it they're coming you don't like what they're saying but they're not going to stop right you know and the fact that he's saying that on the southern college fraternity circuit which had to have been four nights a week that was their bread and butter. It's pretty bold. I mean, he's in the capital of arguably the most, well, do I want to say the most racist Southern state? I mean, they started the war. Right. That's <laughs> what I mean. Not that every other Southern state didn't no. jump right in and contribute, but yeah. But their history with slavery yeah. is uh, so deeply entrenched to where they were always the furthest to the side right. of secession. And I think Darius- Still. Ruck, yeah, right. <laughs> And I think Darius Rucker grew up in Charleston. One of the most historic landmarks in that beautiful city is the market where slaves were traded daily. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it it is for as much grief as they get for cheesiness and, again, hootie fatigue. I mean, this this was pretty bold for them to to, to do a song like this and to be as as blatant and, and... upfront about what the song is about yeah he has stories about being at you know these large universities in the south and people being really into the band but then also saying racist things about him yeah right in front of him and again i mean you know you're not going to see this up there with a change is going to come or blowing in the wind as far as all-time great protest songs, but I think of its time and the position that Hootie and the Blowfish had, it's not an unimportant song for them to have done. This is 25 years before the Confederate flag came down. Mm -hmm. The fact that they sang that in the Capitol, it's a fact that gets overlooked as they get pegged as this uncool, Mm -hmm. good dude party Frat rock. Yeah. And that's what it was, but clearly to them it was more than that. Yeah. I think that's one of the things they were easy to target. Trent Reznor famously said, death to Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was easy to dislike them in the same way that people have have liked music that they deem as too easy or unimportant. But the thing is, is if they had just been a regional college band, you wouldn't hate them. Yeah. It's the fact that they got huge that makes people so volatile. Right. What's the problem? They didn't ask for it. They were just a couple of regular dudes who played on the college circuit that put out an EP and then everybody loved them. Mm -hmm. And then they got huge. 
Yep. And so, but you know, they didn't do anything wrong. Right. It's not their fault. Like you don't have to love them, but also I don't understand why people would hate them. The only thing they did wrong was just, again, having a pretty stupid name. True. And I think that, that's I, mean, I, I do think, I do think that's like, it's easy to pick on a band called Hootie and the Bluefish. Yeah. I mean, if they were called you know, Troubleshooter, we wouldn't be having this conversation. No. If we were talking about technical difficulties, <laughs> it'd still be going. We'll, we'll get to we'll get to a technical difficulties episode. No, at, at least point. one. <laughs> at least one. But again, I think one of the reasons they were hated was because of the music that came after them. Because mm-hmm. in the late '90s, rock music became so generic, and I liked it. That Matchbox Twenty album was great, you know. But you've got yeah, yeah. all these just inoffensive, uninteresting. Like you couldn't point out any of the band members. No. If they walked by. Very anti-rock star, mm-hmm. too, because grunge made it be known that you're not allowed to be a rock star. Like, no. you get made fun of. The most kind of rock star thing of that era was, like, Rob Thomas with eyeliner. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. like, ooh, he's got eyeliner. Yeah, yeah. That was it. But it just made the all of the 90s, in terms of rock, it made it so bland. Mm-hmm. And so I think Hootie gets a bad rap for that when they're just like, hey, man, we're just a couple of good dudes who sang some songs. You know, one, one of the underlying themes of this album and the next song kind of gets to it, Darius Rucker singing about his mother, her dying, and what an impact that had. So a lot of these songs really relate to, to him missing her and paying homage to what the impact she had on his life. And I don't believe in time. This is a sad, more thoughtful song lyrically, mm-hmm. but I still love the time twisting time, time, time. <laughs> it's damn I, catchy. Yeah. I bet that David Crosby walked by the studio when they were down and was like, why didn't I get to sing the why time part? Maybe do, do hold my hand? <laughs> Dang. At the end of this song, this is probably the one where Darius Rucker really lets the, the power of his voice out the most when it like at the very end of the song you, right at the end
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because it's... It, you, you feel like... <laughs> you feel like... No, you feel like they, um... <laughs> it's, it's okay, good. <laughs> you feel like they just really like, um... <laughs> I'm watching that thumb. Keep an eye on it. <laughs> I mean, you almost feel like they, you know... <laughs> Why do you do this podcast with me? I'm such a I jerk. No <laughs> <laughs> oh, for all the podcast. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I I sort of get the feeling like, I don't know how many takes they did on that one, but it was sort of like we're doing that last part in one take because mm-hmm. he kind of lets it all hang out there, I think. Yeah. I bet live that that was really cool. Yeah, they do, they do a good job with that one, especially the time. Yeah. Time. <laughs> time. That song, those last two, Time and Drowning, probably are my favorites. Yeah. After this, Darius Rucker goes on to become a country star Mm -hmm. and has, I think he had like four number one hits or something. One of the things that struck me was when I came back and listened to Cracked Rear View. If this album came out today, this is country. Yeah. The only thing it's missing are like more blatant songs about drinking beer and pickup trucks. Yeah. If it had those, it'd be all in country. Straight up. Yeah. I mean, it'd be Georgia, Florida line or whoever they are. Oh, my gosh. Florida, Georgia line. Did I get that right? Florida, Georgia line. I don't need to hear them to know what they sound like. Right. (laughs) And I also don't need to hear them to despise them. And I I also just don't need to hear them. No. Yeah, you're right, though. I I, I had not thought about that, that this would probably fall more country today than, than anything. Yeah. Probably based on how we've talked about this, you probably get a sense that I still think this holds up pretty well and is a uh, is a is a really solid album. What's what's your what's your thought as you've spent some time with it? I think it does because they never tried to be more than what they were. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember that striking me then and even now, they still dressed and acted like dudes in a college band, mm-hmm. even when they were famous. I remember yeah. one of the videos. I think Darius Rucker even had like a faded college sweatshirt on. Mm-hmm. And that one of them always had like some college paraphernalia, right? You know, and so I think they just were who they were. Mm-hmm. They got famous, but they never tried to be anything different. And so when I go back and listen to it, it's like, oh yeah, you guys were just a really catchy college band that that hit. Mm-hmm. I don't love it. I don't think I'll continually listen to it. But I had an appreciation for it that yeah. I had forgotten because I fell into the ugh, hootie, yeah. get them out yeah. of here. But now it's like, no, Hootie could stay. Yeah, I mean, you know, when we talked about Dave Matthews' band, Under the Table and Dreaming, which was another one of that era mm-hmm. that meant so much to me at that time. And you mentioned it earlier. It's like, now you listen to parts of it, not all of it, but you listen to parts of it and you think, oh my gosh, like they were so earnest. It had to be so technically proficient and it had to be deep, deep in the right. sociology 101 kind of mindset. And Cracked Review is, in many ways, way deeper than that ever was. Right. But doesn't try to be. It's not pretentious in that way. I think that's what's kind of endearing about, about Hootie and the Blowfish is it's 
good. It's it's really good at times. And it's not offensive. You know what? I think I think that you've nailed it. I think that's partly why Dave Matthews is so annoying now, because I put so much depth and meaning to mm-hmm. it and thought, oh my gosh, they're so important. Mm-hmm. And I never did that with Hootie and the Blowfish. Now revisiting it, I don't have some memory or some association of this being really important. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh yeah, that's fun. That's good. Those are great melodies. They're fun to harmonize to. Mm-hmm. All right, so Darius Rucker and the boys have invited you backstage for breads and spreads unless you take <laughs> take a song off of Cracked Review. So what's it going to be? For me, this is actually a really easy one. I do think that, you know, we talked a little bit about how the second half of this album drops off a bit. And it does, mainly because it's so front heavy with hits. But for me, like, Look Away would be the song I would take off. standing there That's where the album kind of screeches a little bit to a halt. Then not even the trees and even goodbye. They're they're more mellow kind of songs, but I think they work well with the theme of the album and, and are really pretty. Yeah, the second half of the album, aside from drowning in time, is just pretty weak. I have no problem with that choice. Mine is Motherless Child. And this mm. was the hidden track, mm-hmm. but I think it should just be hidden off the album. <laughs> Did you know that his mother died? Dang it. Sometimes now I feel like a jerk. But this was also, I, I mean, this was prime hidden track like time. Sometimes I feel like a mother. <laughs> All right, now that I think about it, yeah, See? that one should come off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think when I got to it, I just thought, that's not what this album has been. And he's got an incredible voice, but I know that this is an old song that even, I believe, dates back to times of slavery. From that standpoint, it fits with themes in drowning and time, but I don't know, it just feels so out of place by the time we get to the end of this album that is this light-hearted pop album. Join us next time for our hollow Halloween. <laughs> Jeez, man, we are taking a break. Uh, man, join us for our Valentine's Day episode. Reach out to us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Finest Work Songs. Thanks for listening to season two of Finest Work Songs. And we'll see you next time when we drop, drop the, the deuce. deuce. Our theme song is the song Radio by the band Medium Heat. You can find their music at mediumheat.bandcamp.com and check them out on Facebook at Medium Heat Music. Look for their upcoming shows here in the Raleigh area. They're a great band and we love them. <laughs>